0: Hello, friends and family of the Murph and the Mage podcast. It is with a heavy heart that I let our listeners know we lost a very important member of Giants Nation yesterday. Um, We were informed that Anthony Tomeno had unexpectedly passed away the night before on June 3rd. For those of you that didn't have the pleasure, of knowing Anthony, or speaking to Anthony. He was always an upbeat, caring individual, and he gave one hell of a film analysis and breakdown. Not only was Anthony an outstanding human being, but he was also an outstanding husband and father, and he leaves behind a wife and four beautiful daughters. As difficult as this might be for us in the community, who really lost a good one. It's important to remember that he is survived by these five people. So for that reason, we ask you to please visit GoFundMe.com. You can search Tomano Family, T-O-M-A-I-N-O Family, or you can visit Bobby Skinner's page. Bobby Skinner can be found at Bobby Skinner, S-K-I-N-N-E-R underscore please whatever you can do please donate please help this family especially in their time of need as we continue with the podcast i apologize for the upbeat nature on the intro this was recorded prior to us learning about anthony's passing for those of us who did know anthony anthony did play football at hartwick and he did wear the number one so in lieu of any intro music this week We are going to take a one minute of silence to honor Anthony as the person that he was, the husband that he was, and the father that he was. Thank you. Thank you. So again, we remind everybody to please visit GoFundMe.com. Search Tomano Family, T-O-M-A-I-N-O. Anything that you can give is greatly appreciated and will help his family tremendously. So thank you for everything. Thank you for listening. We appreciate and love all of you. Please love each other equally. And... Enjoy the rest of the podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph and the Mage. I am your host, the Mage. You can find me on Twitter at themage_nfl. underscore NFL. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Murph. Murph, say what's up to the people, Murph? How you doing, people? How we doing? How we doing? I miss everybody. You can find Murph on Twitter at onemurphblue, and you can find us on Twitter at at Murph and the Mage. We are also on Instagram, and go follow our Facebook page as well at Murph and the Mage. We are bringing you a special fantasy football episode with a special guest, none other than the man himself, Kyle Richardson. Kyle, how are you today?
1: The man himself. I think that's... That's good. That's a good entrance. But now I feel like I have to really show the people what's up. (laughs) But thank you for the invite and being on. This is awesome. Like I said, kind of before we got started, you and I have talked a lot on Twitter over the last couple of years and have had a chance to connect. So it's finally faces and talking in real life. This is cool. I'm glad. I'm excited.
0: Well, I say the man himself because honestly, and I wanted to just take a few moments. So when I first started, On Twitter, I was a huge fantasy football advocate and I was kind of getting started. And Kyle, it doesn't matter about his followers, doesn't matter about his ratios. Kyle followed me back and Kyle's been excellent at providing me advice, just mentoring me in the fantasy community, kind of how to get started with certain things. Even if it's a sit em start question, Kyle, you've always kind of been available for those too. So I really want to thank you for that too. There are a lot of people within the fantasy community that you know, once they reach a certain threshold or a certain number, they suddenly become unaccessible and you've never done that. And I really kind of admire you for that and really look up
2: to you for that as well. So hence the man himself. What you're basically saying, Mage, is you look up to Kyle how I thought I looked up to you until I found out who you really were, and you didn't (laughs) know shit about fantasy football. So all I just go to Kyle for everything. All this time that Kyle has been feeding you information, I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask him. That information has just been going straight from Kyle through you. You've just been the middleman the whole time, dude. Well, now that you outed me, thank you.
1: I fell right into the middle of a quarrel here, so but I appreciate I appreciate those kind of words. And you know, my thought process has always been, you know, when I got started, there was people that helped me out and reached out to me and had those conversations with me. And you know, I want to try and give back and do that as much as possible. So when people are like, "Hey, I've got an article I want you to read," or "Hey, you know, we jump on my podcast," I I still try to do as much as I possibly can. I don't, I'm not nearly as active on Twitter anymore as I used to be. <laughs> I would love to be, but things are just so crazy over on YouTube. I've had to fit, you know, shift so much of my focus over there. It's been insane. But thank you for those words. I really do appreciate it, and I'm you know, glad we've had a chance to connect and do those things.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and it comes from the heart. But while you're at it, Kyle, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're up to, where people can find you, and what are you working
1: on? Yeah, so on Twitter, it's rich 1532 I'm with the Fantasy Headliners, so over on YouTube, the Fantasy Headliners. Back up over 81,000 subscribers there, so we're doing a really good job over there, and I'm loving the video content. Absolutely loving doing that. Right now, working on the draft guide, killing the draft guide, trying to get that done here as soon as possible, but it's, uh, it's ramping up. It's getting to that busy time of the year, and even though we don't have a ton of sports going on right now, I've I've been preaching that they're gonna be back. Everyone, just be patient, okay, be positive. We're gonna get sports in 2020. And we we look to be trending in that direction. So hopefully that ends up happening.
0: Well, I've said everything going on in this world is probably the result of us not having sports and you're gonna have a tough time convincing me otherwise. So yeah. So Kyle, you mentioned that you're working with fantasy headliners. Uh, But you also have experience in the industry. You've also worked for some of the big names before. You decided to kind of go off on your own as well, right?
1: Yeah, so I have worked, um, you know, I've done some stuff with other websites. I mean, I've done stuff with Fantasy Pros and a couple of lower end websites too that were kind of just starting off. So I've been around the block a little bit, but... You know, working with the fancy headliners is so awesome. Jake over there, you know, Mister Fancy Headliner, as I like to call him. <laughs> um, you know, he he kind of helped out with another company that I was working for in terms of YouTube, and then he came to me and he said, "Man, I'm building something special here. I really want you to be a part of it." So I went over and joined him, and and honestly, at one point in time my goal was always i want to do es i want to work for espn or i want to work for yahoo or cbs like that was always the dream over the last like year and a half i've completely shifted my thought process and you know what i don't want to work for other people anymore i want to you know jake and i are really kind of partners in this you know he started it but he brought me in really to kind of help out and he's given me a lot of responsibilities you know i kind of oversee the website and stuff like that and that's what i want to do now that's what i I'm, I'm not worried about those big guys anymore and going to work for them like i want this to be my thing so we're trending in that direction really excited for what's going on over there and I'm just absolutely loving the freedom to just create content anything I want post it up If I've got good stuff roll with it and get it out to the people
0: well the one thing that Twitter or social media has taught us is that you don't need mainstream media to kind of get your name out there and you can grow organically on your own Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that you've done too so it just in the short time that I've known you I think probably about two years almost on
1: Twitter. Yeah, two or three years now. Yeah. You've grown
0: exponentially in that time as well. And I've seen you go and take on different adventures and do new things. So the future certainly bright for you. And I'm glad to uh, certainly have access to you so that this way I can pass off your information to Murph as if it's mine. So.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you rescheduling too. I'm sorry to hit you with that cancellation at the last minute last week, but family things just kind of got crazy last week and had a bunch of stuff to do. And so I appreciate man, That's it. life,
2: man. That's life. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing that's great about this community is we all know kind of our situation. We all work around each other's schedules and stuff just to you know, keep pumping out good content. Oh, yeah. So uh, let's just dive right into the meat and potatoes of it, man. I think a lot of our listeners are pretty experienced fantasy players as it is. So, uh, you know, me and Mage kind of have been a little – we were a little disappointed in a lot of where the rookies fell in this draft this year from a dynasty standpoint. Um, So how how you feeling?
1: You know, it, it really depends on the player. There were some guys that we were really excited about. They just didn't fall where we wanted to, them to. And then there's other guys that – you know, fell in some decent spots, but maybe they're not the names that we were kind of looking at before things got started either. So, all in all, I think when we look back at this class in like four or five years, I think we're going to be like, okay, this was a good class. Like, we really ended up having some really good players come out of this class. I, we're just going to have to wait a little bit, I think, to to kind of see uh, some of these guys fully develop into what we think and know they can be.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I, we didn't really think that anybody kind of had any bad situations per se but we are a little disappointed you know I, th- I think uh, as far as from a running back standpoint there's going to be some good guys that are going to at least have that opportunity early on the wide receivers on the other hand as well um, but me and I have just kind of been going through it a little bit and you know who- who's your uh, who's your one guy in this draft to start this whole thing off
1: the one guy that I'm like trying to get everywhere is Jalen Rager Jalen Rager is the guy that it okay. doesn't matter what I'm doing or where I'm at. I've got to have him. Uh, And I just, and you know, he was a guy when we did a lot of our pre-draft stuff, people were like, Jalen Rager, like you've got Judy and (laughs) you've got everybody else in this draft. Like, why are you looking at Rager? And I'm like, watch the tape. Like the numbers don't jump off because of a horrible quarterback situation at TCU. He did have a few drops, but I mean, he, he just didn't have the consistency there at TCU that you get with Judy and some of these other guys. So the tape, if you just watch him play, the dude is incredible. And I wrote an article for Our Patreon members a few weeks back, he is my rookie wide receiver one for 2020. Now, he's not my rookie wide receiver one overall, but you know, and going into the draft, I was like, this guy's going to be my two overall and dynasty purposes. But for 2020, I think this sets up really, really good for him. You know, if Alshon Jeffrey can stay healthy, if you know, if Deshaun Jackson can be healthy and, and on the field you know, Jalen Rager has got a chance to really be a a guy that can go in between either be in the slot or on the outside. If you've got a Deshaun Jackson pulling people down the field, if you've got Zach Ertz running around out there, Dallas Scott, like he's going to have a lot of open space to roam. Uh, You know, he runs good, crisp routes. A lot of people are worried about his separation. I'm not nearly as worried about that because, and again, especially this year, if there's people healthy, he's a guy that he's not going to have to have nearly that separation, especially if he's playing against a defense that's running a lot of zone coverage on him because he's going to find holes. He's gonna get going and no one's gonna be able to catch him. The dude's extremely fast.
0: So the one thing that you really tied a lot out of that to, Kyle, is the fact that you're expecting the Philadelphia wide receivers to stay healthy. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's got to play more than a quarter of football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and he's getting up there in age. So and his forte is kind of his speed. I don't know if Deshaun Jackson's going to be that wide receiver. And then Alshon Jeffrey has a difficulty staying healthy as well. There was yeah. he was a little bit disgruntled with the team. Can Jalen Rager be a wide receiver one on the Eagles if he's expected to?
1: You know, in 2020, is he going to be that true wide receiver one that, you know, that can beat basically everybody? Maybe not that yet. But the good thing about that team is that if they do have those injuries at wide receiver, you know, they have a couple of guys that maybe can step in and at least help, but they they could run a lot more two tight end sets as well to help that and get Goddard and Ertz on the field together. And then one of the big things is, is Miles Sanders, is having him on the field as much as possible. Because then at that point, you've got that receiving threat out of the backfield that defenses then need to pay attention to, especially in the run game. Philadelphia's offensive line should be pretty good this year again. you know. And, and when you've got a running back that can make those catches out in the flats, swing passes, some screens, whatever it may be, also runs the ball really well, those linebackers tend to creep a little bit more or stay put and don't nearly drop back as far. So then Rager at that point, again, if he can get the separation from the cornerback and find himself an open spot, we're good especially if Ertz and Goddard are out there as well so I mean I don't I have him as my rookie wide receiver one this year I don't expect him to be a wide receiver one though you know if he's got those other weapons he's probably a mid wide receiver two for me if he ends up having to be the guy maybe a little bit more of a a low end wide receiver two just because then he's got you know a little bit more of a focus on him than what you know you would like to have but the dude is just uber talented i'm i'm not worried about him at least doing something this year
2: yeah man coming on a giants related podcast <laughs> and uh you you know you're, you're kind of hurting our hearts here but i mean everything you're saying is obviously completely facts there philly does have a bunch of pieces on offense and um i'm not too big of a fan obviously because i uh i different favorites in this draft class, but I will agree with you. You know, the volume's there and the opportunities there for Rager.
0: Yeah, just before we – let's stick with Philly. So, and you had mentioned Miles Sanders. I know that there is a lot of fear on Twitter right now about Miles Sanders possibly ending up in a running back by committee. Where do you have Miles Sanders? What is your take on a running back by committee there in Philly?
1: You know, right now I have got him – Right as a low-end running back one. And that's probably where he's gonna stick, unless they add somebody. But again, too, it it depends on who they add. You know, Devonte Freeman is kind of the name that keeps coming up right now in terms of kind of that next guy that might be added there. He's he's not the same guy that we saw as the top running back one a couple of years ago with the Falcons. So even if they do sign him. I don't think it's going to be in the type of role that will scare me away from still going after Sanders. You know, Boston Scott is a guy there too, that, you know, with Boston Scott, he, he kind of helped out a little bit last year and some guys, you know, at the end of the season grabbed him and tried to use him a little bit. You know, he could be a guy in kind of a PPR role that maybe Sanders, you know, if if he's been touching the ball a lot and they just got to get him off the field and give him a breather, or maybe it's any type of a, It starts to become a blowout or whatever it may be. We see a little bit more Scott. But, you know, the thing that just sucks about running backs is you've got these teams that have great running backs and they just refuse to use them in the way that we want them to. And, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about it. Welcome to the 2019 Giants, man. (laughs) The guy's just so talented. Like, I don't see how he can't finish as a low-end running back one this year with the touches that he'll end up getting.
0: I wanted to go on to more running backs because I'm a running back guy. I, I Yeah, you're a fiend. I hoard them like they're nothing. And everybody's like, running backs don't matter. And I, I don't know. It couldn't be the furthest from the truth for me. Just, I mean, by this pure math alone, there are 64 starting wide receivers, only 32 starting running backs. You try to get as many of them as possible. So while you were talking about Miles Sanders – my question immediately, I'm being selfish about this. So I'm just going to ask you about all my teams, Kyle, and then I'll give Murph the information later. But uh, Aaron Jones, what's going on with Aaron Jones? Do we, uh, Should we be worried about drafting of A.J. Dillon? Yes,
2: yes. yes I kind of feel like
0: A.J. Dillon is replacing Jamal Williams, who's on the last year of his deal – I've been a huge Aaron Jones guy since he came into the league. I really loved his running back vision. I I love his cutback ability. He just really displays athleticism that was never really
1: utilized. Aaron Jones was the guy that we pushed heavily last year on our channel. And we were like, Aaron Jones, you got to invest. This could be the year. And it ended up happening. The reason I'm concerned about Aaron Jones now and I have to change my mindset. I don't talk dynasty nearly as much as I used to. So I, I am having to think two ways right now, a little bit more than what I'm used to. But with with Aaron Jones, you know, if we're looking at 2020, I'm concerned about Aaron Jones this year because of the red zone touches, because of the goal line touches. I mean, he just, he got so much work in the red zone last year. I have to expect that he is going to end up losing some of that. And, you know, and the difference of, Let's say he loses five touchdowns. You know that that could end up being just enough. If Jamal Williams is healthy all year long, then yeah, then at that point, because he's going to end up getting sniped now in the red zone with Dylan. It, you know, it, it could end up being enough. Now, am I panicked to the point where I'm trying to stay away completely? Not necessarily, but I do have him outside my running back ones right now because Green Bay was basically saying we can add even before the draft. We can add another running back. And we can make this a committee and we can be really good at doing that. Right there, that was like, oh crap, here we go. When we just said a second ago, like these teams have these uber talented running backs and they just don't use them, which is so frustrating. Long term, though, if Aaron Jones is like, I want to stay in Green Bay and they work out that deal and he stays there, Jamal Williams goes away, then now you've only got two running backs there and Aaron Jones is that bell cow. And Dylan's kind of the guy that comes in and, and helps out outside of that. So even though it's worrisome in 2020 for me, He's a guy that if you you know if he's not having a great year, you go get him in dynasty because then if Jamal Williams is out the door next year, now you've got the running back one again there in in, uh, in Green Bay.
0: Does it matter to you that Green Bay didn't draft a wide receiver at all, which can make Aaron Jones more available in
1: PPR formats? Uh it it depends for me a little bit. Yeah, he's still going to be that that guy that that catches passes. So in PPR formats, yeah, absolutely his. His value could still spike a little bit there. You know, whenever I do any of my stuff, I try to think in like a half PPR mindset. Then, if you are in a PPR league, then you can kind of adjust that way. If you're in a standard league, you can kind of adjust that way. Uh, You know, in a PPR league, yeah, maybe towards the bat. Still, still kind of a a high end running back, too, for me. Um, The last time I did rankings, I have him at 13. And I just – I don't know if I can really push him that much higher regardless of it. Now, if if Williams goes down, then at that point we're back to just having two running backs to worry about. But if we've got three, that still becomes a major concern for me, especially if they plan on using all three of them. Because it's just the red zone touches that worry me. I don't think he can replicate his touchdowns from last year.
0: Yeah, what really concerns me is what you said about the coaching, right? We talked about this on our podcast just in general – with Sam Darnold and the Jets and Adam Gase, it's like they never want to use players to the best of their ability. They want to be the reason why a player is good. Instead of just accepting the fact that a player is just good. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, and we saw that last year too with Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell. And it's like, it it, it just blows
2: my mind sometimes.
1: Yeah. Gase is just an awful coach.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all agree on that. Oh yeah, for sure. What about uh? Let's let's head up north a little bit. What about over in in Detroit, man? What are they doing there? Because they kind of shocked me a little bit. I I understand the the BPA thing, but you know, for me, I thought Carry On was probably going to be somebody that was going to be able to be their, their at least lead back, maybe not their um, franchise back. But what 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 are we thinking about that? Are we buying either one of them? Buying neither of them? And do we feel like Carrion could be a trade candidate possibly as far as in the actual
1: league? So we live streamed the first night of the draft. We have the last couple of years. I was really hoping in 2020 that I have a much easier first night because when the Lions drafted Hawkinson in 2019, I lost it live on YouTube. I was very upset. I thought it was an awful pick. I'll get over it. I have gotten over it. So we're sitting there on night two when round two is going on, and we're just kind of kicking stuff off, and we're live, and I look at the camera, and I'm like, good lord, the Lions are going to take a running back here, aren't they? And sure enough, there goes Swift off the board, and I'm like, what are you all doing? Like, you need pass rushing so bad right now. Why are you taking a running back? Because there is some edge guys that ended up falling in the draft. Right. So I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to calm down a little bit. I'm going to calm down a little bit. So I've thought about it. I've looked at it. And probably the worst thing I can ever do when it comes to the Lions is set expectations. And I ended up doing that this year already. I really like their offense now. A lot. And I actually wrote an article. Does the offensive line concern you? Well, that's a thing. It, okay. Yes, but they have made an offensive line sign signing this year. And they brought in a guy um, that's never been like a full-time starter. But he's been a guy that's always been kind of a spot starter and, and has been pretty good. So, But they have two former first-round offensive linemen on their team right now. So it's one of those things where, yeah, it's been a concern they haven't played well. But the talent might still be there where if 2020 is the year where everything comes together and that offensive line finally gels, now they lost Glasgow, which, which stunk. I really wanted them to try and keep him. But if this is the year with Decker and then Ragnow, maybe this offensive line finally gels and, and gives them enough push that Stafford's not getting knocked on his hind corners every 30 seconds. And the, the running backs will have a little bit more room to run But with Galladay and Marvin Jones and their ability to stretch the field, Galladay's just becoming a monster. Absolutely love him this year. He's one of my must-owns. Like, I got to get him in every single draft I can. Um, (laughs) I'm seeing thumbs up. I love that. Uh, Marvin Jones is another guy, too. He's been really underrated the entire time. He's a guy that can go down the field and get the ball. I mean, he was like – he had the third least amount of separation yards last year on catches. And if you just watch the guy play, even if he doesn't have the room – He makes the catches, which is awesome. He's just a playmaker. But then if TJ Hawkinson is healthy, I I talked about it a little bit in this article I wrote. And I said, the talent isn't with what Kansas City has, but I could see a little bit of Kansas City-like play from the Lions this year in terms of what that offense can do quick strikes, moving the ball down the field. You've got guys that can stretch the field. So Hawkinson can just live in the middle of the field as much as he wants to slips in behind those linebackers. He's got a ton of room now because you've got those two guys pulling down the field. You've got Hawkinson in the middle of the field. Swift can get open out on the edges and you can't forget about Danny Amendola as well. Working out of the slot. Stafford was the QB six last year before going down with his injury If they had any concern about him being healthy, they would have drafted a quarterback or they would have brought in somebody worth signing. They didn't. So he must be ready to go. I'm excited. And I actually, for my projections this year, for the first time ever, I picked the Lions to win win the North, which I've never, (laughs) ever, ever done as a Lions fan. So...
0: (laughs) Hopefully, you know something that everyone else doesn't.
1: Uh, I got them at nine and nine and seven. The the, the North is going to be, I keep saying Central because it's the middle of summer and baseball is supposed to be happening right now. <laughs> but with the North, like I, I think it's going to be a pile up at the top. I don't think the Bears are going to end up being that good. So it's going to be the Vikings and the Green Bay Packers and the Lions. And I think all three of them are going to be right around the 500 mark. It's going to be who can get... Who can potentially get two wins against the other opponent in that division? That's what I'm looking for.
0: I've always been a Matthew Stafford guy. I think he's always kind of been disrespected a little bit as a quarterback. And especially when it comes to fantasy, I love it because he's kind of like that hidden gem that you can get late on in the rounds that's going to give you top 10 production Mm -hmm. at the quarterback position. One player now that is secretly doing that although I think people are starting to catch on, is Dak Prescott as well. Oh, yes. People don't necessarily like him, but hey, you know what? I I will buy up all the shares I can of Dak Prescott. I mean, the guy does produce, and he is a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I don't want to go off of the Detroit Lions just yet, but you do got me thinking about Daniel Jones, which I want to ask you about. So with the Detroit Lions, how do you see the backfield playing out then in terms of a timeshare?
1: I I think it's got to be swift. Maybe not right away. Maybe they give care. They honestly, they obviously don't trust Carry on Johnson. And that's the thing. And I don't understand why they spent the draft pick a few years ago and haven't like used him. Cause I, I, I don't hate Carry on Johnson by any means, but I also don't think he's been given the opportunity to really win the job either. Last year, they brought in C.J. Anderson to compete with him, which made no sense in the offseason. So just the signings that they've done and different things around him, I mean, even when Theo Riddick was still there, Theo Riddick, you know, nothing against him, but I mean, he consistently got the work in the passing game. So on Johnson was only on the field for two downs a majority of the time, but the Lions really utilized the pass catching back a lot as well. So then even on first and second down, they're still running Riddick out there and having him run routes. So... He's just never gotten an opportunity. So to me, drafting Swift in the second round shows that they still don't believe in him and that Swift is going to be the guy for them. Now, the Lions, for some reason or another, feel like they have to be the New England Patriots of the Midwest. And I don't don't get why they continue to act like them and sign all their players and make deals with them, you know, whatever. They have some familiarity with the system. I get it. You know, maybe it is a situation where we kind of seen with like Sony Michelle and James White, what they have been. But I ha- I have to think that the majority of the touches will end up going through Swift. I don't see how you spend a second round pick on him when you had other areas that need to be worked on on the defense and you take him there. So it, he he's going to end up being the guy that wins out.
0: I remember Detroit almost had a um, parade, I believe, right? When Kerryon Johnson rushed for over 100 yards. He was the first running back since Barry Santos, I believe, to rush for yes. 100 yards in the game. So,
1: Well, it was the last one to do it was Reggie Bush when okay. he was in Detroit. So it had been a while. It had been a while. <laughs> yeah, been so a
0: while. forgot
1: that Reggie Bush was
0: even on Detroit. <laughs> yes.
1: Me and him can go on about running backs all day.
2: So, I do uh, love my running backs. I know. We do, too. It's it's a bad habit. It's really bad, but it's obsessive. Well, let's go into uh, – let's talk about Tampa because there's a uh, complete – Log jam in that backfield, mm-hmm. man. Rojo, Vaughn, hearing reports about uh, Devontae Freeman. You know, they took a flyer on uh, Raymond Clay,
1: and then they got Dare too. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, I know everybody, a lot of people are trying to search for that James White role down there from the fantasy aspect. So,
1: you know, the one guy, and I kind of saw this on the notes. So I already had it written down, um, you know, about rookies that I'm kind of letting fall in the draft. Vaughn is one of them right now because holy lord dude is going like middle of the first round in some drafts like people are taking him before some of these wide receivers and I'm like holy cow people settle down yeah man he
2: went in my big money league with my high school people he went all three leagues actually that I did he went
1: before Judy. Oh. Yeah, that's that's crazy. too rich for me. That's too rich. yeah, and, and dude. I,
2: I mean I, I can't do that
1: some of it like I get like the production was there and he did it in the SEC, and he did it against some big time opponents and but man like he just I, I can't buy into it cuz he doesn't seem like the guy that can come in, take over a backfield and just be like this this bell cow back. That's going to score a bunch of points. So I feel like some people talk about him, like it's going to be like Le'Veon bell when Le'Veon bell was drafted, you know, he wasn't really looked at as being a guy that was going to, you know, Come in and take over and do something like that. But that's like the feeling I get from some people is that is what they're going to get from him at some point. I'm like, no, like that's, yeah, that's a little, that's a little too much for me. So I also
2: hear a lot of people talking about him being really involved in the receiving game. And I mean, the the stats aren't bad, but they're not there. And I don't know where that notion came from either. I've seen that narrative a bit too. I see him as more of a power back than a receiving back.
1: Yeah. I think he I think he'll end up being able to do a little bit of both. I don't think he's gonna be again, I just don't think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be a three down back. And that's what the concern is. And yeah, there's concerns with Rojo mainly because of his pass catching, or not his pass catching, but mainly because of his blocking. So that's why people are like, oh, well, you know, Vaughn's gonna get, you know, third down work because Rojo isn't gonna be able to make the blocks and stuff of that nature. But two, you know, Rojo's been there. He's been in the system now for a year. So he's got a little bit more familiarity with it. And last year, you know, he's got some stats that aren't that like his yards after contact per attempt was two point six nine ended up being sixteenth so not too bad, but his elusiveness rating was fifty nine point eight through pro football focus, which was eleventh overall as well and he did see a stacked box like twenty six percent of the time, so he's not going to be able to see he's not going to see that many stacked boxes this year with Brady and the weapons that they have at offense so you know to me, I look at it and I say, you know what if if rojo it can have you know, if he can just be a little bit better pass blocking, just a little bit better, he's got the explosive playmaking ability if he can find the holes and if they can make the holes a little bit bigger, then at that point, all it takes is a few games for him to kind of get on a roll and then say, well we're gonna we're gonna keep going with him, and then Vaughn loses all of his all of his value at that point. So it's way too risky for me, but I could end up seeing it go either way as well, so i'm I'm kind of just avoiding the situation altogether right now.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I see Rojo more as a redraft uh, running back more than I do a dynasty running back. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to be involved in the passing game uh, more than Vaughn will. So I think he's going to have some value there. Again, uh, we'll see whether or not they use them as more of a one-two counterpunch. Uh, Let's just say, keep going down the line. We could get as in-depth into it as you want, Kyle, but I really want your opinion on some of these situations. San Francisco backfield. I don't need
1: to name them all. Everybody knows who they are. Um, this is another tough one for me because you see what Mustard did at the end of last year. We called him not quite a Mustard, Mustard, um, but he <laughs> might be a Mustard now. I don't know. You know, he did so well, and it's you know, and they've gotten would have gotten rid of Breeda now, so it's like okay, he's got the opportunity there, but it's hard to imagine that Kyle Shanahan is not going to continue to rotate those guys, you know, Tevin Coleman, you know, he was banged up a little bit last year. So if he's healthy and ready to go and dear Lord knows if Jarek McKinnon is all of a sudden healthy and starts getting touches again, what will happen there? But I mean, it, it could be another situation where instead of being like, you know, I've got a lock a guy that I can lock in every single week and be happy with it. You've got like a team that you could potentially lock in every single week because whoever gets the majority of the shares that week ends up finishing, you know, towards running back one status. Looking at it from a dynasty standpoint, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I don't know what's going to end up happening there.
0: Another thing, I don't think people realize how old Mustard is, though
1: 28 years old. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit on the older side. And he's
2: been on how many
1: teams? Like, Like at least five, maybe four or five. He's a guy that a lot of people are trying to get right now. And I've kind of gone back and forth with this internal struggle of do you move him right now for his current value or do you wait a couple of weeks into the season if there's injuries or other things like that, the dude has one, two, three, four good weeks, whatever it may be, injuries happen, people are looking for running backs. Now you really move the dude for a haul in season. But in the same instance too, if Tevin Coleman comes out of the gate and he's a lot better, And then all of a sudden, Mostert loses all of his value. Now you're kind of screwed because you held on to him for so long. It kind of reminds me of a few years back, the Seattle situation with Thomas Rawls. Rawls was a guy in the offseason that was going for a huge price because of kind of how he performed at Seattle. A lot of people were trying to get all over the bandwagon on Thomas Rawls. I mean, I was seeing people try to give up first-round picks to get him, first-round rookie picks to get him. And part of me feels kind of the same way, like this is kind of the hot thing right now. This is the guy, recency bias tells us he was the best running back, so people are, are looking to get him, but back then it was kind of the same thing. Thomas Rawls all of a sudden just disappears, he ends up getting hurt, never to be heard from again, that could end up happening here too. So really, in my mind, I'm trying to move him right now if I'm getting at least a decent price for him.
0: Well, Master's best uh, performance came in the playoffs, not mm-hmm. necessarily the regular season. I mean, yep. he put together, I mean, an unbelievable postseason for the 49ers. Yep. So, but again, you spoke to that recency bias. What about um Jacksonville? There are rumors that Ornette could be on his way out. Uh, is there anybody to own there in the event that he is moved?
1: You know, I, I still like Leonard Fournette for this year. And he's a guy, even for dynasty purposes, If I can get him super cheap, I'm going to go get him because I still think he's going to have a pretty good year. Chris Thompson is there now. He's familiar with Gruden, so he's going to get some of that pass-catching work. But even if you take 30 targets away from Fournette, he could still end up being like a mid running back two for you. And if you get him right now, super cheap, because everyone's worried about him. He has a few good weeks. Again, you, that's one of my things that I love to do in the offseason for Dynasty is go get those running backs that everybody's worried about. Let them have some good weeks. And if I'm in the playoff race and I'm a team that can win it all, then I'm going to stick with them. And if they run out of value, they run out of value. I won the championship. That's all that matters. Or if they don't, if I'm kind of middling in, the, you know, in between, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. And even if I do, I might not be a top team. I'm going to sell him to a top team that needs a running back really bad, and just get my value back plus some. So I, you know, a guy like Leonard Fournette, I'm definitely trying to add this off season um, because I still think he's going to have a pretty decent year before he's shipped out of Jacksonville. He won't be back, and then after he's gone, I don't know if he ends up anywhere at that point. To be honest with you, there's been character concerns with him. He hasn't always been the best running back. Um, a lot of his numbers have come based off of volume alone. So his efficiency is not something that's been great, but for 2020, I still think he's going to be a pretty decent option for fantasy owners, especially if you can get him, like if you're doing any type of a redraft league, you can get him in the fourth round. That's not, that's not too bad if you've already got your RB one on your team.
0: Well, the other thing that you talked about too, which I think is an underrated part of Leonard Fournette's uh, game You mentioned the targets. He saw 100 targets last year. Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize how involved he is in that passing game, which really adds another element to his overall game. So I'm with you on that. If I can get Leonard Fournette and somebody's afraid of where he might end up next year, I'm buying. Yeah. So, Kyle, is there a backup to own in Jacksonville? And also, they also signed Chris Thompson. So something that you talked about, too, having Jay Gruden in there. What's
1: your opinions on that? If I have to have a backup, it's probably Chris Thompson in PPR leagues. If you have deeper rosters, then yeah, it's probably Armstead at that point, too, that you want to grab. Um, But I mean, those will end up being the two main guys in, in kind of 2020 that you're looking at. And man, I wrote about one of the undrafted free agents that they brought in. And now his mind is escaping me or his mind is escaping me. His name is escaping my mind. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to find it here for you real quick. Cause he's a guy that I do like who
0: James Robinson.
1: Yeah. James Robinson. So he's a guy, he's a guy that I definitely think maybe not this year, but in two years, potentially. Could be a guy that we look at a little bit more. One of those UDFAs that is able to come in and contribute in some capacity. I think he could rival Armstead in a year or two on that team because of his athletic profile and some of the things that he did. So he was a small school guy, though, which is one of the reasons he ended up going undrafted. But for 2020, it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely going to be Chris Thompson in PPR leagues for me. See, man, I told you the other day, Chris Thompson, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. you got he's dude's gonna catch some
2: balls in the backfield someone's got to right i gotta clean it up a team that's kind of been driving me crazy in the last couple of years ever since i got rid of levy on is is the steelers man and that backfield um is kind of a disaster from a fantasy standpoint obviously james connor's had his success there but what are we thinking about what's going to happen next there he's his uh, contract's coming up this year and you know I took anthony mcfarland in the fourth round who was a a beast of oh, yes. college. Oh, as a Big yes. Ten fan, you know. What What are you thinking about? Pitt?
1: I love Anthony McFarland. Absolutely love him. Um, and in a lot of the mock draft videos we've been doing, I've been taking him late because he's a guy that I definitely want to stash. If If you're drafting earlier in the season, he's a guy. Def- or earlier in the offseason, he's a guy I definitely want to stash in case something happens with Connor. But Anthony McFarland is literally one injury away or a couple of bad games away from getting a huge workload. And he's the perfect offset to what they already have there. I mean, Jalen Samuels, James Conner, and Benny Snell are not McFarlane when it comes to his athletic profile, his speed, and what he can do as a playmaker. So I am absolutely all over Anthony McFarland. And, yes, in the two dynasty leagues that I'm in now, because I cut back from six from last year because I couldn't I couldn't handle it anymore, um, too many waiver wires going unprocessed by me. Um, both of those I moved up both times because there was a Steelers fan there. I moved up uh, to the end of the second round to get him both times before he came back around in the third because I was not going to let it happen. Uh, absolutely love him. I mean, he's a guy that can contribute in 2020 and beyond.
0: All right, move over to Buffalo real quickly. Uh, we know Singletary is a
2: starting running back. Tell us your opinions on Moss.
1: I don't like Moss.
0: Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> there
2: we go. Let's roll to the next one.
1: <laughs> so I know, I know that there in the within the dynasty community, there are some people who, who have taken a look at Moss and really think that he can be. A contributor for the bills the thing that concerns me is number one the injuries like the injuries that he has sustained like the guy is he's as bad of an injury profile as you can possibly get coming out of college I have some concerns about his explosiveness as well I mean in between the tackles he's going to be just fine he's going to be able to knock some guys over but around the edge when I watched him on tape he's just not he doesn't have that burst for me he doesn't seem like he's a guy that can get around the edge and get up the field and get away from some of those faster defenders so and like a short yardage back a goal line back I think that's where he's going to end up making his living it's going to be that so I mean yeah sometimes those guys are are great to have you know as potential handcuff in the regular season, but they're not guys that you want to own long-term. And a power back with bad knees, like you don't want to invest in them either. I love Devin Singletary. Dude is awesome. I loved him before the combine last year, and then there was issues with his 40, and he just didn't have a great combine, and he slipped in a lot of drafts. But the dude showed up last year and absolutely played well. And I tweeted this last night, actually, for my dynamic running back rating, which is kind of a a rating that I developed myself um, that really takes a look at per-game and per-touch type situations. And I developed a rating that takes volume stats and dynamic stats as I take them, or as I talk about them. And there was only three running backs that scored 85 or higher and tackles avoided per attempt and 60 or higher in their in their volume, and that was Kamara, Singletary. Singletary was number two. Um, Kamara, and then I'm forgetting the third one, but Singletary absolutely leapt off the paper to me because of that and some of the other stats I'm looking at. So I don't think he's going to have to have a whole lot of touches. It could be a Kamara-type situation, and that's why it jumped off the page to me because when I looked at it, I was like, Oh, you know, Kamara's had Ingram and he's, you know, he's had Murray there, but he's always been sustainable because he's so good when he touches the ball. Singletary looks like the same thing to me. Not necessarily in terms of, you know, I'm not saying he is Kamara, but the situation is similar where even if they use Moss a little bit, Kamara could be, or uh, Singletary could be so efficient on his touches. He is going to be a guy that will win weeks for you every single week. Does his size concern you at all? Not really. Not really. I'm not I'm not too concerned about it. I, I know I understand why people would be worried about it, but, you know, I, I try to take some of that size stuff with a grain of salt. I always look at it, and I, I look at the player, and I, I want to see how they play. If they play bigger than that size, then I'm okay with it. And Singletary plays a little bit bigger than that size for me.
0: Darren Sproles made a career out of it in the NFL, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. so but for being a small running back. The other thing I also want to commend you on, too, which uh, – I'll point out to the audiences that you used injury profile. I like that. Not injury prone, not any injury profile. Any I like profile.
1: that.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm going to start using that because you know what? I saw something the other day about Carson Wentz and I forget wh- where the tweet was, but they were talking about you can't say a player is injury prone if it's different injury.
1: So I like that injury profile. Just put it in his portfolio, ankle, shoulder, ribs. I started to hate injury prone when people were saying Keenan Allen was injury prone. And I was like, people, this is not how you use that term. This is so, no, that's when I started hating that. (laughs) So, we are going to
0: wrap up our segment here with Kyle Richardson of Fantasy Headliners with the running backs. Please make sure you tune in for part two of our interview with Kyle Richardson, where we preview wide receivers tight ends and some of kyle's by low saw high candidates make sure you check out part two peace and love everyone